welcome to That Tech Pod, where we discuss all things e-discovery, data privacy, cybersecurity, and tech innovations. I'm Laura Milstein, and I know a little bit about technology. And I'm Gabby Schulte, and I honestly know next to nothing about technology. That's why each week we're talking to heavy hitters in the industry to help us break down these topics. Today, Gabby, who are we talking to? Well, Laura, one of the things that really interests me about technology is kind of the social impact, the economic impact it can have on communities. And so today we're talking to Matt Stevenson. Matt is the executive director and co-founder of Code to College, an Austin-based nonprofit that equips traditionally underrepresented high school students with coding and professional skills towards entering and excelling in STEM undergraduate majors and fields. So Matt, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Laura and Gabby. <laughs> um, so we definitely want to dig in more to, uh, you know, all things code to college. But before, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started in technology? Sure. Um, and thanks again for, for thinking of me for the podcast. Uh, so I'm originally from New York. So I am one of those uh, one of the 40 percent of people living down here in the Austin area that is from New York and um, moved here about five years ago. But um, yeah, I my background is in finance and entire family was in insurance. So um, we had very uh, fun dinner conversations about um, risk pooling and about property and casualty. Um, ended up, nice. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm serious. And, uh, you know, after college, uh, I worked in finance, um, but during college, I picked up coding and um, I found that it was very unsexy at the time, but incredibly helpful to me professionally because I was able to pick up some jobs on the side while I was working in college. It helped to defray my college expenses and, and pay off my tuition. Um, I was able to... Um, set myself apart once I went into banking afterwards as someone who was, um, who was able to make everyone else's life easier. And so I recognized that there was this really unique opportunity uh, with coding because the barriers to entry were very low, but the potential return was, you know, nearly limitless. And so um, after I graduated from, from college and after leaving finance, um, I started looking at ways to put this incredibly valuable skill set to use and to offer it up to students who otherwise may not have access to it. So, you know, fast forward 15, 20 years later, um, my wife and I, we co-founded Code to College uh, here in the Austin area and have never looked back. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of jealous uh, that you are in the Austin area. I've heard really good things and how a lot of people are kind of migrating there. Um, so, but actually, what I kind of wanted to, you know, what we wanted to talk to you mainly about um, bringing you on to the podcast was um, about some of these, you know, gaps in opportunity, gaps in not skill, but uh, access to kind of the education. Um, so can you kind of expand a little bit more on those gaps among, you know, lower income communities and communities of color and also how you see Code to College, you know, filling those gaps? Sure. So um, I will absolutely get to the access. One, one piece of data that I love to share is that, you know, 50% of 
women, 50% of low-income students, two-thirds of Hispanic, and almost three-quarters of Black undergraduate students who initially select a STEM major ultimately either switch to a liberal arts degree or drop out completely. And I think that that's important because you oftentimes hear about the dearth of diverse talent and in particular uh, diverse technical talent. And so it starts way before that, but even for those students who then make it to college or some post-secondary degree, they leave these fields in droves. The access really has to do with, you know, what we look at in our program model as education exposure and experience deficits. Education, you know, you are not seeing industry relevant curricula in the schools. And so if students aren't learning the skills that they need to while they're in uh, the K through 12 setting, it is not setting them up for success once they get to the workforce. Um, exposure, if you can't see it, you can't be it. You know, if you don't have a family friend who is a software developer, or you know, if you are not in the same sphere or circle or have a neighbor who's a test engineer, how would you ever know that you might wanna pursue one of these, these roles? Um, and so it's really important that students know what's even out there so that they can start to make much more informed decisions about their futures. And then finally, experience. If you are not getting the practical experience to learn about these skills and put them into practice and to fail, you know, again, I'll say and to have the opportunity to fail as early as possible, um, you are, you're not going to be able to pursue these roles and you're not likely to persist if you start in them. And so um, that's where Code to College comes in. Those are really our three pillars, education, exposure, experience. And we are looking to give students as much exposure and access to these skills, to these careers, and to the professionals who want to expose them to them so that they can make these informed decisions and enter these fields later on and be very successful. I was just saying, I think that's what, what you are doing is incredible. I, I think I speak for both of us by saying it's it's unique. Not enough people are doing things like this and it's important and 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 we love it. But um, I want to actually ask some of the fun tech questions. So I'm interested in kind of understanding. You mentioned, obviously, coding, and we know that code to college seems to be kind of around that. But what is the specific technology that you're teaching their students? What technology are you using in order to to work on this and make this a, a reality for your company and your students? And what does that look like? Can you dive into some of the training um, a little bit for us? So uh, we now have uh, five different curricula and students are learning everything from uh, web development by uh, practicing WordPress to um, software engineering and software development using Python and JavaScript. Um, we are adding new technologies um, in the coming months, which is very exciting. Um, and to you know the second part of your question about you know, what else are they learning um, by by learning how to code? You know, we really see coding as the vehicle. A lot of people hear uh, code to college and they think, oh, all right, well, then you're you're kind of just like a coding boot camp, but for high school students. And I say that's that's not at all what we are. You know, coding is really, you know, I don't even want to say the language of the future. 
because it it sounds pretty dated. It's probably like a 20, 30 year old, you know, cliche that people used to say. But I mean, if you know how to code, I mean, on the academic side, you are learning these incredible analytical tools and um, you're a much better professional because you have to communicate clearly. Um, you have to be able to collaborate if you want to um, write excellent code that other people can read. Um, and that's that's just the start. I mean, you're professionally, you are head and, head and shoulders above the competition. If you are in any profession outside of just pure software development and you also know how to code. You know, I said that I, I came from finance and most of my friends right now, if they are looking to move from one job in finance to another, you'll see that they've told me that um, coding experience used to be, um, you know, preferenced or preferred or um, sort of a nice to have or desirable, but then now it's required for a lot of roles that you otherwise would never have thought that you would have had to had to have had coding experience. So um, it's it's really a beneficial tool. It's it's a vehicle. It's not the it's not the end all. Um, I like to say it's not the thing. It's the thing that's going to help get you to the thing. And um, and it's, it's just one facet of our program model. We also work with students on professional development. Uh, volunteers help students with everything from technical and behavioral interview prep to um, helping them build their first resume. We do STEM industry case competitions so students can get sort of knee deep in uh, you know, semiconductor space. Uh, we did a private equity case competition. And I mean, again, yes, you almost have to remind people in these conversations, we're still talking about high school students. So just think of a 15 year old learning about private equity and not only learning about private equity, but doing a case study, like a business school case study, and then making a presentation to an investment professional. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that if I were, when I was 15, I had that opportunity, I might have done something different, you know? Uh, and so we, we just want students to have as much access as, as we can give them. Yeah, that's amazing, honestly, because I, I think about kind of all the things in high school that maybe would have been a, a little bit more useful to learn in my, you know, older years now. Uh, and I honestly learning about private equity is really impressive for high school students. Um, but um, you mentioned earlier kind of the partnerships that um, that you have with kind of businesses or companies that are kind of willing to, you know, work with you in terms of um, helping students gain that access and gain that kind of uh, experience. So can you talk a little bit more about the partnerships that you 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 work with with Code to College? Sure, sure. So, you know, with respect to our partnerships, we have uh, about 60 companies that we work with um, and we have a full suite of ways that they can plug in and support our work. Uh, everything from providing volunteers, and that's both non-technical and technical. A lot of, again, with the with code, 
being the first part of our organizational name, a lot of people think that they have to be technical if they um, if they're going to support. But as I mentioned, we've got volunteers who do everything from review and edit resumes to um, help students build LinkedIn profiles. Um, they can also host workshops. So in the month of February, we actually hosted nine. We typically do one or two workshops per month, but we did nine for Black History Month. And so getting your company's employees out to help students get familiar with your company, your business, um, particular practice. I mean, in the past, we've we've done some, some micro-credentialing even. You know, we have at this point, probably at least 60 or 80 students who've gone through our program who've gotten an, a design thinking micro-credential because of one of our workshops. And so um, there, there are a lot of ways that you can support by introducing students to skills that would make them successful at your company. So, I mean, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. The students are are getting these these skills and potentially credentials and this exposure, but you are potentially recruiting, not even potentially, you are recruiting your future employees. A lot of students, they walk into you know, the offices of Google. You know, they would have, a lot of students didn't even know that Google had an Austin office and they walk in and maybe five minutes before walking in, they did not think that they could ever see themselves working at Google, then that light bulb goes off. I mean, this is pre-COVID, but we, we used to do office visits before, and it's it's just a game changer for students. You can have a student who otherwise was unmotivated, who didn't understand why school was a thing, who said, why am I learning this? And now they get that, all right, I actually have to finish school I should probably do well. And then after that, it is a really good idea for me to go to college. So let me focus because Google is awesome and they get free lunch there and they've got sleeping rooms and I want to do that. Um, and, and these, I mean, I think for, for an adult, it sounds funny. It's just like, oh, like that's the thing that motivates them. It's like, well, yeah. And, and also, okay. Well, one more thing. You asked how they can, the most important is that they can host them as interns. So we are, um, we are one of the few organizations in the country that it has been able to get companies to host high school interns that are doing technical work. So that's one of the best ways. Yeah. 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 Because when you think about it, you know, on a high school level, getting an internship must be hard. I don't know how it is now, but back when I was in high school, which isn't that long ago, but uh, I'm making myself sound very old. Um, but I, I wanted to ask a little bit about the impact. You know, uh, I'm kind of just, you know, taking a glance at your site here and it says that 36 um, percent of your of the students that you encounter um our first generation college students. I feel like that's that's really amazing. So can you just speak a little bit more about the impact that you've seen uh, when, you know, you combine, you know, this opportunity uh, with technology and kind of the the um, the benefits uh, from that? Yeah. So um, for 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 a lot of our students, I mean, so 
We launched in Austin five years ago, and we are now serving students nationally. And so um, the concentration of the students that we serve are still mostly in Texas and mostly in Austin. Um, and so first generation is one of the one of the demographics that's I mean, if you were going to look across across the entire like national landscape, like that 36 percent is, you know, about on par. Um, it, we've got a lot of English language learners. We've got a lot of students who are coming from families who for whom these careers are very foreign. Like, just, I, if if you were going to say, mom, dad, can you tell me what a software engineer does? They wouldn't know where to start. And so um, the impact is that students are able to be more informed and to make more thoughtful decisions. You know, I was a teacher at one time, um, you know, at this point, what about almost 10 years ago? And, you know, my students, when I would ask them, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up on the first day of class, they would say things like, well, so it was some form of athlete or a teacher and or or some sort of performing artist. Right. And, you know, why would that be? I mean, that's what they've been exposed to. I mean, the in terms of professions, the only professions that they that they really see are, you know, who's in media. So any, any celebrities. Right. So if you're a musical artist. Right. Or if you're an athlete. But then also who comes, you know, when they come to school, they see their teachers all dressed in, you know, dress shirts, ties, dressed really nicely. And so those those are the professions that are out there, you know, that they have an opportunity to pursue. And so it was my job not just to teach them algebra two, but to introduce them to what else is out there. So I would tell them about, you know, Robert F. Smith, black billionaire, founder of Vista Equity Partners, uh, a multi-billion dollar uh, firm that does these incredible deals purchasing tech companies. I would tell them about, you know, uh, Tristan Walker, who, you know, he called up the CEO of uh, or emailed the CEO of Twitter relentlessly in its early days. And when he said, fine, you know, let me know next time you're in New York. And he said, I'm in I'm actually in New York right now and then booked a flight to get out to New York and got himself an internship. And now fast forward, he's a founder of his own company that was bought by J&J. It's like these there are a lot of things that you can do. And I promise you there's a lot more out there. But um, it was my goal to introduce them to math, but then to also introduce them to, you know, what else is out there and also to connect the two. It's like. You are going to use this one day. As a matter of fact, you can use this today and you can use this to get to all of these cool places that I'm I'm talking to you about. Matt, you just gave us a lot of people that we clearly need to get on the podcast. It's like, oh, these are exciting names. Um, but yeah. that's I mean, that's. <laughs> um, 
Um, but it's it's true. I mean, I think when you think about high school, you're thinking, okay, I have to do these math classes. I have to do these English classes. Um, I never even heard of a coding. I, I don't even think I knew what coding was in high school. And to kind of expand your knowledge and to say there's more out there, it, that's incredible. Um, but it, it is challenging. I would imagine that you would come up with many challenges when it comes to building Code to College as well as obviously having to tackle some of the gaps in diversity in STEM. How do, how do you and how did you overcome some of those challenges and, and what were some of those challenges or are? Because I, I imagine there are probably still ongoing challenges there. Um, I think I think people have a hard time People by nature are not, um, I, I was going to say creative. That's not, that's that. I think the difference between creative and innovative is that with innovation, you're talking about things that don't currently exist. Like, I think everybody is creative in some respect, but you're basically working with tools that already exist and using them how you see fit doesn't even have to be original, right? Um, I mean, I can be creative by drawing a circle, but to truly innovate, you are identifying a problem or an opportunity and coming up with a solution that doesn't currently exist. And I think people struggle with that. And that's why if you are, if you're any founder or an entrepreneur, you have to, if you're successful, you have to be really good at sales and really good at communication. Um, and so, I mean, I, I would say it's a challenge, but it's a common challenge is just identifying who your audience is and being able to adjust. And you just have to do it a lot. Yeah, I think that's a through line that we've seen when we've been talking to people who have kind of built their own organizations or companies, um, you know, that innovation that you're talking about. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting point that we haven't really heard the difference between creativeness and innovation and kind of like working through the tools that you may or may not have at your disposal and kind of creating that for yourself. So really interesting um but lastly matt you know we don't want to keep you here all day even though we probably could um what we kind of want to know uh like what's your vision obviously you know code to college is doing some really awesome things but what's kind of the vision for maybe the next you know three to five years uh that that you kind of are kind of bubbling in your head right now so we are so the pandemic was like a boon for us and actually accelerated our pace of, of growth. And so we are now currently in eight markets looking to grow to, to more before the year is out. And the next three to five years, I really see an opportunity in middle America. You know, it is underinvested. It's an underinvested I don't even, I can't, you can't even say region, just a whole swath of the country um, because the country is much bigger than the coast. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's this, 
this air that persists that about, you know, flyover states, which is just, uh, it's just ignorant. <laughs> there's just, there's, I mean, uh, you know, geniuses, and I, I didn't make up this quote, but there's this quote that genius is equitably distributed, opportunity isn't, and it's true. And so uh, that's really my focus. You know, there's, um, the East and West Coast are saturated uh, in terms of some of the work that, that we're doing. Um, not all of it, but some of it. And so that means that there's a lot of opportunity for us to reach and impact the lives of students um, and communities and companies that are looking for a way to to serve the community um, through partnering with Code to College. Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point. And I think we're seeing so much of that disparity, um, even like in in the sense of um, access to Wi-Fi to kind of continue remote um, remote learning and, and all of that. And I think that's it's so vital to not only obviously education, but to, you know, students development um, that I'm sure you're kind of experiencing. And but I'm I'm kind of you know, I'm it's optimistic to know that at least during the pandemic, there was something there that you were able to take away. Um, so that's that's good to, to find out there. Um, well, Matt, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, we really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, we appreciate your time and every all the insights that you had to offer. So thank you. Thank you for having me, ladies. I appreciate it. We just talked to Matt Stevenson, CEO and co-founder of Code to College. What are your tech takeaways? My tech takeaways is that I wish I had Code to College when I was in high school because I just feel like he's providing such a service to these high school students um, who are learning these really, really valuable skills, not only things like obviously you know, he mentioned the importance of like math and, and this and STEM, um, you know, foundations, but things like learning about private equity and just kind of like a little bit about the business side of things. And I think that would have been so valuable to me who kind of knew nothing about any of that stuff, but that could, I could have applied that to so much. I think people can apply that. And I feel like we should be learning those types of things so much earlier in life. So in addition to kind of learning these to foundational tech skills, just some of that kind of critical thinking in a business level is so vital. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's so many things that are changing. I mean, it's crazy to think that in the last 14 years, the Internet was was wasn't even a thing until then. You didn't even have Google. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have these major companies. And and having you know grown up in a childhood where that was all being created until now, they have children who it's their norm. It's completely normal. It does make mm-hmm. you think, will coding become normal in schools? But then I kind of question 
question several aspects of that. I mean, how come when you go to elementary, middle, high school, even in college, there's no class on how to, you know, do a checkbook, how to manage your bills, how to not get into debt. There's like accounting, but it's not actually doing certain of those basic things that you really need, that it's a skill that everyone should have. And now I do think technology is a skill that everyone should have. And you really, your people are not going to college as much anymore because they're going to trades and now you can go to tech trades. But then you look at, there's so many people in cybersecurity, for example, we're always hearing this where they're saying, I want to get into cyber. I went, I got all these certifications. I did this and then no one is hiring them. And so it's like a catch 22 where I think what he's doing is really changing that, especially with the diversity of it and kind of saying people that may not have had the opportunity to do this, he's getting them that opportunity before anybody else, because I think so many people don't even get into cyber, don't even get into data privacy, don't get into e-discovery until sometime after college. And most of them sort of fall into it, whereas Mm -hmm. he's kind of changing the tune of it. Yeah, it's true. A lot of people that we've talked to on the show so far, a lot of their kind of origin stories in tech are kind of like, oh, I kind of fell into this or I knew I was in this other field like Kevin, you know, he was kind of a poli sci guy. um, And then he kind of fell into e-discovery, which I think is really cool. But um, just to get back to your point about learning about accounting and debt, Laura, that's the whole point of the system. All right. They're trying to keep us down. Putting us in debt is the whole point. <laughs> I don't know who invited you onto the show. That is not my point, to be clear. I just, just think that... Just kidding. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not but, I, but I do think it is one of those, you know, you go to school and you're learning math and science and history and all of these basic things that, that you should know because people are always like, I'm never going to use this. And turns out you will. You just may not realize you're actually using it. But some of mm-hmm. those things maybe expand on it. Maybe instead of being like, oh, you need an extracurricular, let's take poetry. If you're into poetry and that's going to be helpful for you, great. But to me, I would have rather taken a class on like how to budget <laughs> ahead of time, you know, how to make sure that you're you're learning the right things, what tech to learn, what is right. And those things weren't necessarily around. And now that they are around, my, I mean, checkbooks were. But but you get my point is I, I do think. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. What, I barely know what a checkbook is, but yeah. <laughs> still, still have one. And I would say I do excellent at it. So if anyone would like a tutorial, <laughs> let me know. Hit um, Laura up. Yeah, let us know. But yeah, I, I think it's really about changing the way the world is working, especially when it comes to technology and making people that may not have thought they could do technology or may not have been aware of it aware. Or access like we were talking about. Yeah. And like you can yeah. do it. Everyone should do it. You should be more educated in technology. And if you feel like there is no way for you to do it and no one is helping you do it, reach out to that tech bot and we will give you an internship. You may not get paid. But we're here for you <laughs> in any way that we can, because seriously, we we believe in technology and we think more people shouldn't be as afraid of it and instead should be more educated on it. Laura, on a serious note, I cannot picture you in a poetry class. 
Oh my God, Humanities was my <laughs> jam session. Are you kidding me? A, a little women's studies or a little Sojourner <laughs> Truth up there? A little oh Emily Dickinson? Are you kidding wow. me? Wow. I've been wow, reading wow, wow. the Declaration of Sentiments, not just the Declaration of Independence. Oh my God. Woo. Did not know we had a poet on our hands, everybody. In, in, in addition to <laughs> e-discovery expert, I'll stick Laura, with the tech. Laura Milstein, <laughs> e-discovery expert and poet oh that's true for more romantic <laughs> words from that tech pod check us out look us up on linkedin at linkedin slash that tech pod check our, our website www.thattechpod.com maybe look at our twitter we might tweet one day and definitely mm-hmm. subscribe to us we're doing a lot of new things you can go it we hit it because we don't want everyone to subscribe so you have to go to the <laughs> listen tab and then scroll down and you'll see subscribe to our newsletter uh subscribe it doesn't exist yet but it is coming we'll have one one day yeah just like our tweets yeah one day (laughs) you'll really get to be a part of this team with us so so do it and if you want a, a easy way to also support the pod, you can just go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your po- the podcast and just give us a five star review. Um, you can not actually think that we're worth a five star review, but if you just give us the five stars, it would really, really help the algorithm. And then you can write the review, whatever critiques or praises you wish. Yes, and just a special last shout out. We have a new episode coming next Tuesday that we are really excited about, especially because we have been actually self-voted as the number one podcast in the world. So as the global self-promoted number one podcast everywhere, tune into our episode next week on Tuesday. Tuesday.